Hey everyone, welcome back to Untangled Vines, redefining the rules of work. So as I mentioned in the last podcast, this is a continuation of what we were talking about in part one, which just a reminder for everybody is the 10 challenges of working remotely. Now this article that I'm specifically focusing on is coming from Timeular. They're not a sponsor of this, but Timeular, T-I-M-E, U-L-A-R. You can look it up. It's timeular.com backslash blog backslash challenges dash working dash remotely backslash. Okay. And I'll put it in the, in the show notes just to make it a lot easier on you guys. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into it because it is a continuation. It's a part two. So you know what I'm talking about. Number six is dealing with cultural differences. Now, what they say here is besides time zone, working with people around the world can have many other challenges. You'll have various languages and cultural backgrounds coming together on projects. Workplace expectations can be widely different between companies and some cultural differences can be very delicate, such as differences in religious beliefs. This or these must be respected, including religious holidays that may that may require time off or participation, such as Ramadan to avoid potential issues. Encourage open dialogue in your team about culture, religion, politics, etc. So first, what I want to say about this topic is I think this is more of a benefit rather than a challenge. Now we'll get into the challenge. So I guess it's it's a mixture of both. But what I mean by that is over the years, I've been working with a lot of people from across the globe. And so I'm in the United States in North Carolina, but I've worked with people. And I know this is in the United States, California, Colorado, New York, New Jersey, Florida, Texas, Chicago. Like I've worked with pretty much all the places that a lot of people are in, in the United States. But I've also worked with people in Canada. I've worked with people in Europe, specifically London, some in Scotland. Um, and then I've worked with people in India, Hyderabad, and other places, I can't remember the names, and then also in Pakistan. What that has done for me as a person, as a leader, as a worker, has has made me become more emotionally intelligent in thinking about how I speak to people, how I manage people, how I encourage people. Because what, like they're saying, workplace expectations can be widely different between countries. And what they're talking about here, in my experience, is if you if you think about Europe during the summer months, right? It's it's completely different than the United States. The United States will take a week off at the most, probably two weeks, where in Europe they might be working or not uh for a month, you know? And you have to you have to put in place a culture or a structure and be intentional. Like we talked about last time on how you do this without it interrupting your business too much. Right. And without putting the stress on the other people where they start to resent those people who are taking that time off. Right. Same thing with Ramadan. Uh, I believe Ramadan is a month long. Don't quote me on that. 
Um, but I, I've been working with people in Pakistan developing uh, Grapevine, and they had Ramadan. What they did was a little bit different because during the day they would kind of take that time to rest and fast and all that kind of stuff. But then later they would come to work after that that time period that they couldn't eat, and then they would start working a little bit later. So that just understanding that type of stuff is is going to help you have a more diverse and inclusive and belonging culture right and the more that people feel like they belong in a culture the better they are to be more productive to be more engaged to feel like they're heard to feel like they belong they're going to stay there longer they're going to produce better so understanding that that's why i think it's a benefit right now the one that they're talking about being delicate is the religious beliefs, right? And I, and I think this could go into a policy, but I, it's even more a cultural thing as well, where if you have core values, which you should, and if you have a mission and a vision, that should tie all of your employees and your behaviors to focus on what matters the most. But what's, what is something that isn't necessarily done often, or at least in my experience, is talk about the religious beliefs, talk about the politics of that specific country, that specific person, have that person talk about it. Like, don't you take it on yourself, like have, give them the voice. And, and what I've, going back to the benefit, like, we we ha I worked at a startup company here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we really focused on the American holidays like Martin Luther King Jr., President's Day, um, July Fourth, Juneteenth, and and but we didn't just in, like we didn't just acknowledge them and take those days off. We talked about them. It was almost like a history lesson. But on the flip side, we didn't just stay with the America side. We went into India, which was a lot of our uh, company employees were in India. So we talked about Diwali, uh, Ramadan. We talked about, um, I'm, I'm missing out on some. Uh, yeah, Diwali, uh, the Festival of Lights. There's one out there, the Kite Holiday. There, there were so many, and it was just cool to be able to understand that so i think that this is a benefit if you're intentional it always comes back to intentions especially in a remote environment but it's also a way to have your employees feel like they belong right and i've talked to my founding advisor alex about this and and a few other people where if they're a contractor make sure that you treat them like an employee too because that's that's one of my issues with the cultural differences is because a lot of tech companies will hire people in India or Pakistan and they'll treat them second then. And I hate that. That is a pet peeve of mine. They're not second then. They're just as good, if not better than American employees, than London employees. We're the same people. We're just in different places, right? So anyway, I won't go on that tangent. Okay. So seven, is technical problems. So this is what they say here. 
we're sure this has happened to you more than once. Even though technical problems can occur both at the office and at home, at least you know that your IT team will be able to help you if you're at the office. I don't, mm, we'll talk about that. <laughs> if you're not tech savvy, make sure that when you request your company's technical team to check your systems frequently to avoid inevitable technical challenges and do not forget of a, do not forget of adopting the top remote work and apps. So I'm not going to talk about the remote work and app work apps and tools right now. But what I will talk about is this part that they're calling out, even though technical problems can occur both at the office and at home, at least you know that your IT team will be available at the office. So I don't think that's actually true. I worked at a company here as a management consultant. Um, it was TIA craft. I'll just go ahead and say it. Not, it's no diss to them, but whenever you went to the IT station, which they had an entire separate building just for IT because it's a pretty large company, you wouldn't always get seen that day. Or you would have to drop your laptop off and either get a reused one that doesn't have any of your setup until they fix it, or that would become your new one, and then you didn't have anything and you had to start over. So I, I don't believe that that is actually true. If you're in the office, you know that the IT team is gonna be able to help. I'm, I've worked 100% remote in the last company that I worked for, Kumu Enterprise Video Solution. And our IT team was, was two people really, and they were amazing at what they did they were more spot on than me at TIA craft. Like, so that's, I mean, that's debunked right there. I mean, I know it's a small range of data, but let me know in the comments if you've experienced that. Um, so I, I, I mean, for me, whenever I hear about technical problems, what I'm thinking about is Wi-Fi issues, right? Again, going back to India and Pakistan, um, depending on how many people are using the internet at that time, it could be a little bit rough. And then also, um, sometimes not just India or Pakistan, but, uh, if you're a younger employee and you don't have a dedicated workspace, you might, uh, go to a coffee shop or somewhere that doesn't necessarily have great Wi-Fi. So to me, that's what the real technical problems are. Um, and then just going back to the IT thing, most people are set up on the cloud today. So IT can gain control remotely of your computer and start to dig into what's going on. So maybe this article was written a little bit older. I think it was 2019 though, or 20. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and move to number eight, which is loneliness. So Again, this is what they say. This is one of the biggest challenges of working remotely for employees and managers. Many people deal with loneliness in and out of the remote work context, especially after the pandemic. Regardless of what origins it is, loneliness can have a super strong influence on your health and life. Besides the personal impact it has on people, loneliness also significantly damages companies and businesses. If your workers feel lonely, They'll feel less engaged, less productive, and less motivated. This is a statistic from Buffer. 24% of remote employees struggle with feelings of loneliness. Working in offices full of spontaneous moments that allow you to interact with others remotely is not that easy. So 
let me i'll start with the last thing that i said working in an office is fully spontaneous or full of spontaneous moments so what we're discluding or neglecting here is the fact that not all employees are extroverts right because i think that introverts are able to handle loneliness a little bit better than extroverts and i think whenever we saw all of us going to remote work in the pandemic the extroverts were feeling the most pain and so whenever we're talking about the challenges of remote work now we're talking about the extroverts getting back into the office right and, and i'm an ambivert there's so i'm like back and forth i can go with the flow but i probably lean more towards or introvert actually which is maybe surprising to a lot of people but the reason that I wanted to start with this call out is you can have spontaneous moments. Like in the last episode, I talked about donut and then I also talked about grapevine, what we're going to offer or what we, what we're going to offer with the virtual break room. And you have different groups. We're also going to have the community or the internal social network. And that's where anybody can go to that community and post something and get that rush of dopamine and serotonin that people need to continue and people need to not feel lonely. And just a reminder, so with the coffee breaks or the or the break room, you can you can you don't have to sign on, you just click a button. It's like a coffee icon. And then that pops up a notification. Well, one it takes you to the break room and then it pops up a notification for your team to say to say Zach has entered the break room would you like to join him and so that piece of loneliness goes away whenever you give them the right tool right and to me those types of conversations are extremely important in a remote environment because one you're you're helping people not feel lonely two you're connecting people with other people at the workplace so you're building culture, you're building relationships. And then three, that correlates to the impact of how engaged they're going to be on the other side of, of the break room, which is actually doing the work. Okay, so let's go back up to the top. Many people deal with loneliness, da, 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 regardless of the origins, strong influence. Yeah, so health and life. So I agree we see in studies the married people are happier than people who aren't married and it's because of the interpersonal connections that they have um we see that people with a strong support group are less likely to feel that loneliness they're going to have more satisfied life and better psychological well-being so yeah this this is true but it's, it's again, I keep saying this, it goes back to intention. If you take the intention to build your culture remotely and you clarify what you are going to do to offset these challenges, then it becomes a lot easier to make these go away. Okay. Yeah. So, so the loan, the, the, worker who feels lonely is less engaged less productive and less motivated so that's just a point and proof that you need to take the excuse me you need to take the time to make sure 
that there are connection points for all your employees. And don't think that it's just a frontline worker thing. Make sure that you have this for your directors, your VPs, your executives, your CEO. Don't think that they're not lonely if they're working remotely just because they're at the top. They might be even more lonely, but they feel like they can't speak up and say that. So just a side note there. Okay. Number nine, let's go to career growth. So career growth, it's particularly challenging to have any career advancement when you work from home as you're less visible. False. <laughs> I'll say that. I'll go into it a little bit later. The truth is that most managers lack experience managing people who work remotely. Now, that I think is more truth. Also, many executives still don't love the idea of remote working, claiming that people work less at home than at the office. This is one of the reasons why managers don't like remote working. Let's get into this because there's a little bit more here. Um, and actually, maybe I will bring those in. So this says like you have to be more proactive and take control of your career. Be, be your advocate. Share with your manager your career goals. Look for new opportunities within the company and then be proactive with communication. So that's all on you, right? That's all on you. But let's talk about, let's talk about this. Okay. So they're talking about it's more challenging for career advancement in a remote setting. The reason I said false on that is because I started working remotely about five years ago. When I started working remotely, I started getting promoted more and more often and got higher increases in pay, right? So it's, it's not that remote work makes career advancement less. It's just, and I think this is a big thing that ties into everything that we're talking about. It's that companies, and like they said, managers don't necessarily know how to operate in a remote work setting. Like, let's put this in perspective, right? They're talking about, okay, you're not being seen. Managers don't know how to manage in a remote workplace. I would even say a lot of managers don't know how to manage in a physical workplace because that's something that we neglect. We promote the highest performer and expect that they're going to make the other people higher performers too. That's wrong. They're good at what they do unless they want to be a manager and they take the time to learn leadership. They're going to continue to do what they do and they're going to coach people to do how they did it, which doesn't work for everyone. So let's, let's, the, the real issue here is that we have to learn the new way of working, whether it's hybrid or remote, remote, right? So just to put it in perspective, whenever I uh, came in at Kumu, which is a hundred percent remote company, or it was at the time whenever I was there. I, I don't know their, their policy now. But when I was there, I started off as a strategy staff executive, which was an executive in training, right? So from there, we had some changes happen. I took over as head of sales operations. So head of sales operations turned into head of sales operations and sales engineering. So I got another promotion there by getting the team underneath me as sales engineers. So now I had sales operations and sales engineers while still managing the OKR program. In addition to that, a, a few months later, I got promoted to director 
of sales operations and sales engineering. That was all 100% remote. But what happened was with my manager and I and our HR leaders, make sure that we call that out because the HR leaders are driving this along with your direct managers. You have to be intentional. Okay, so the HR leaders were pushing the career advancement approach or, or program. Um, they called it something different. It was something different. I, I can't think of the exact name, but basically it was your career growth plan. And they made it a focus for everyone in the company to build out their career development plan. And what happened there was my manager knew what my goals were. I knew what my manager's expectations for me were. I knew that HR had my back if I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And not only that, they provided me executive coaching, right? Maybe, maybe not start, maybe startups can't do that or whatever the case is. But if you have some executives who are experienced, make them, or uh, let's not say make them, but you have the opportunity for them to become mentors for the people who are trying to grow in your community or your company. And what that is going to do is it's going to tie people to what is, uh, it's going to tie people to other people like executives, right? So they're saying that you're, you're less visible. Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the structure of what you're doing. If you have a men mentorship program and you have a frontline worker who wants to become a manager and that person connects with the direct reports manager for mentorship, now they're visible. They know that person, they know that person's goal. And then that way, whenever something comes up and the executive sees that this it ties into what Zach wanted to do to improve on, let's see if we can get that in there or let's see if Zach can work with Tanya on this and they can gain that experience, right? Now, the other side of the coin is technology. If you use technology to make sure that people are visible and you're able to track their engagement, and the reason I'm talking about engagement is because with our virtual office platform at Grapevine, what you can do is you can set up your performance and productivity goals with your team. You can track the one-on-one -on -one conversations, the growth plans. You can give feedback, rewards, and recognition. You can see the badges that people are wearing or, or not wearing, but, but gaining through training, required training, recommended training, all that kind of stuff. You can see that. And they don't actually have to speak up. They can just share it on the community because the community is like a LinkedIn uh, newsfeed, so to speak. So there, there's so many things that you can do especially once we get Grapevine up and running. Okay, so now the other part of this is that managers don't know how uh, to manage people in a remote situation. This is what gets me. I don't understand why people are saying that the physical office is so different in a remote environment. Because <laughs> if you think about this, right? If I have a question and I'm not using a tool in the office, I would have to get up, walk, go speak to my manager. None of it is documented. None of it is where I can take notes other than maybe on a pad or bring my laptop, which is a little bit tricky because I feel like in the office, 
there's laptop or there's more desktops, but maybe there's laptops now, actually. That's true. Anyway, you're getting up and you're going to talk to that person. What is the biggest difference from, or what is the big difference from getting up, going over there or pinging your manager and saying, Hey, can we talk about this? And then them responding either right away, or you have your scheduled one-on-ones that you would have in the office too. I don't see the big difference other than we're making it a big deal, right? Now, whenever it comes to managers actually knowing what they should do or how to do it, that's where your company can provide them coaching, training. And it doesn't have to be coaching from you. You can hire a coach or you can you can buy an account of, I don't know, Udemy, Khan Academy, whatever the case is, Insperity, I know they have a bunch of recordings out there. But provide, give your, give your employees the resources that they need to be successful. That is talking about your managers becoming a better manager and a better leader. That's your employees having the right resources where they can grow, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I know these are a little bit long. I try to keep them around 30 minutes. I think I'm going to go over on this one. But this is the last one, number 10, sedentary lifestyle. Working from home can lead you to a more sedentary lifestyle and slip into bad habits. Although it's harder to stay active for motivation reasons, you can become healthier if you change your mindset. And then they give some tips here. So have restricted sleeping hours. Being at home doesn't mean it's Saturday every day. Make sure you go to bed early so you don't feel tired during the day. Get outside and go for a walk. It'll help you feel more relaxed and help with vitamin D. Exercise often, invest in a home gym, join a group fitness class, or check some YouTube videos, workout videos out. So I think these are all good. The the sedentary lifestyle, I I guess what they're talking about here is really just becoming more or, or less routine oriented, where if you have to wake up at a certain time to get to the office at a certain time, every single day, that's going to get your life started. I think this goes to self-discipline, which is a lot on you, but I think it also kind of ties into my belief that work is no longer nine to five. It's not about how many hours you put in. It's about the outcomes that you produce. And I truly believe that. And we know from research like, like Daniel H. Pink in uh, Drive, what, what really motivates people it's not about waking up at 4 a.m. in the morning. It's not about waking up at 8 or starting work at 8 or 9. It's when are you the most productive? Now, th- this comes with two sides, right? Because one, you want to allow your employees to have the capability to work when they're most productive. And that's not always going to be 4 a.m. That's not always going to be 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock whenever we have everybody start working. That's not the case. Not everybody is the same. We should know that by now. But what that does mean is that there will have to be some leniency on that side of it, but then also some strictness or firmness on whenever you have a meeting. So even if you are a hard worker from 10 to 1 p.m., then, but, but you have a meeting at eight, you still have to show up for that meeting at eight, right? 
it goes back to clarity clear understanding of what is expected from the employees right it's the same thing as unlimited pto like unlimited pto the the technical sound of it means that i never have to work again and i can still get paid because i have unlimited pto but we all we all know and it's written in the policy most policies that unlimited PTO doesn't mean that you never have to work. It means that you can take time off as long as it doesn't interfere with the progression of the company or the projects that you're working on. Right. It's that understanding, like give people the, the benefit of the doubt until they prove you otherwise. That's another thing that gets under my skin a little bit is I talked to a guy who was 25. So he's younger than me. But he said, I don't believe this whole remote work stick. Like, like people don't work whenever they're in remote work. And he was referring to a study from JP Morgan Chase. And I, and I told him, like, you have to put this in perspective, right? The person or the company that is doing that research has already stated that they want their employees back in the office. So let's think about that. If you are trying to get your people back in the office and you conduct a study and you can manipulate that data for it to say what you want it to say, then you're going to do that if you're unethical. <laughs> I'm not calling them unethical, by the way. Their study might have been accurate, but it's not accurate to enough to generalize it, right? We haven't tested the reliability or the validity and we don't know the variables that are at play. But on the other end of that, whenever people are saying that remote work doesn't work or people who work remotely don't work, we have to think about, okay, is it that, well, one, is that true? The answer that I see in the research is no, which I know that's contradictory because I said like JP Morgan Chase has a, has a, motive to say that remote work isn't working because they want their people back in the office, right? Where I'm saying I believe in hybrid and remote work, but that's because I see it where people are more productive, they're happier, they have more flexible they, lifestyle, they have a better work-life balance. Like these are the things that I see. But the difference from what I'm saying is these are meta-analysis. These are empirical empirical research. These are, this is research that has, has been done on a large majority of the population in the world and sometimes just in the US. And so I trust that data more than just one single data point from one company. So anyway, I digress on that. But my point is, is whenever it comes to remote work, we have to ask these questions not is remote work good for employees i mean yes we want to know that but the real question is do we have what we need in place to have a productive successful engaging and and uh, inclusive remote workplace right that is the question because if we okay so we've had the physical office for the longest time. We understand what takes place and what needs to take place. We have industrial engineers, we have work workspace uh, architects where 
they actually go in there and then they set up the desk and tables and they make sure that the temperature is the right temperature. We know all this stuff from a physical space. We're just starting on the hybrid and remote uh, approach. So we have to ask ourselves, is the data actually reporting correctly? Or is it that we don't know what we don't know yet on remote work and hybrid work? Or is it, or and or, is it that we don't have the technology yet, grapevine, <laughs> to solve this problem? Those are the types of questions that we need to ask. I think we're making the wrong argument. I would love to know what you think about these challenges of re remote working, what you think about some of the things that I shared with you as we walk through this. So drop something in the comment if you're, work if you're looking at this on YouTube. If you're listening to it on a podcast, send me an email at Zach or at info at grapevinesoftware.io and I'll try to respond to it. Thanks so much for watching. This is a little bit longer video. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode where we continue to redefine the traditional rules of work.